Welcome to This is Texas Wine. I'm your host, Shelley Wilfong. On this podcast, I take a look into the Texas wine industry and give you all the news, education, and information you need to be a more informed Texas wine drinker. I'm not a Texas wine insider. I'm an enthusiastic consumer. I'm learning more with every episode, and I thank you for joining me on this Texas wine journey. This is episode six. On today's episode, I've got harvest reports from growers. They're talking about the challenging growing season we've just had and what to expect from the 2020 harvest. Then I revisit Grapevine, Texas to look for Texas wine. John Rivenberg about this opportunity that I saw posted on social media last week. Basically, John is looking for an investment of $1,000. For that investment, you'll get three tastings with the winemaking team. John suggests doing these tastings during fermentation, after six months, and then before bottling. These are scheduled at your convenience. You'll get to learn a lot about the winemaking process as you're conducting these tastings with the winemaking team. You'll get a mixed case of wine that's currently available from Kerrville Hills, and you'll get a case of the wine that you've selected upon sign-up in this club. You'll get a 10% discount on additional purchases for one year from Kerrville Hills, and you'll get additional access to the latest information from the winemaking team via a newsletter. Club membership runs for one year. Having this kind of access would be really cool if you're super into wine or if you want to get more into wine and learn about the winemaking process. I'm in a similar club for a kind of a cult Pinot Noir producer in California, but this harvest opportunity really caught my eye. The group that I'm a part of is less about winemaking and more about just general wine education. We have a private Facebook group, and they have frequent meetups, or at least the people in California do, and I've just been able to attend a couple. But the neat thing about the Kerrville Hills experience would be seeing the winemaking in action, and I bet you would get to meet a lot of cool people who are interested in the same kind of things that you are. It's definitely a new model for Texas, and I applaud the originality, and I hope that John has a great response. If you're interested, get in touch with John or someone on his team at Kerrville Hills. I'll post the contact information in the show notes. Eden Hill Winery was nominated for the Wine Program of the Year by Culture Map Dallas. Eden Hill is a winery in the Texoma AVA in Salina, Texas, and they've also got a tasting room at the Dallas Farmer's Market. There were nine other nominees, and I took a look to see which of those other nominees offered Texas wines. I found three. Homewood has a Lewis Wines Tentacow on the menu. Haywire Restaurant in Plano has three options by the glass, a McPherson Sparkling Chenin Blanc, the Come and Drink It Rosé, and Pedernalis Tempranillo. But finally, I was most surprised and delighted by the Pyramid Restaurant at the Fairmont Hotel. They have a very impressive list of Texas wine. Not only that, they've got a full page on their wine list dedicated to Texas wine education. They've got a map of the state, including all of our AVAs highlighted. And on their menu, I counted four Texas wines by the glass and 10 by the bottle. The Pyramid Restaurant is temporarily closed because of COVID, but I sure hope they'll be up and running again soon. I'll include a link to the Pyramid wine list and also a full list of the nominees in the show notes. Congratulations to Eden Hill for their nomination. And although none of these programs was the ultimate winner, it was an honor to have been nominated. The results are in from the 2020 Finger Lakes International Wine Competition, which was held in July. 
Over 1,400 medals were awarded to 328 wineries from 13 countries. The big winner from Texas was Pedernales Cellars. Their 2017 Malbec won a double gold medal. There were five other wines that won gold medals from Texas. Cicada Cellars won with their 2017 Malbec Merlot blend. Pedernales won yet another medal with their 2017 Texas High Plains Tempranillo. Ron Yates with the 2016 Amalgamation. Texas Southwind Vineyards and Winery with the 2019 Texas Blanc Dubois. And finally, the William Chris Wines uh, Morvedra from the Texas High Plains. That was the 2017. Congratulations to all the winners. Dale Robertson reports in the Houston Chronicle that Hack Winery in the Houston area has been sold to a partnership that includes a Houston legend. University of Houston's one-time record-setting quarterback, Case Keenum, is one of the partners. The deal gives controlling interest in the 20-year-old winery to Keenum, Troy Kyle, and Austin Elrod. Hack and his wife Gladys are retaining a minority interest and will stay involved in a consulting role, but they are looking forward to traveling in their retirement years. Congratulations to the Hacks. Several of our favorite Texas wine women are joining forces on a campaign that will take Instagram by storm next week. Share the Mic Now Texas is a social media campaign that puts focus on black women's lives and stories. It's modeled on a national program also called Share the Mic Now. There are four women on the statewide organizing committee, and two of them are our sisters in wine. One is Sheremy Law, who has been working tirelessly for years to bring her first wine, Sheremy Wine, to market. And the good news is, I know it's going to be ready soon. Things are finally happening for Sheremy. The second is Jessica Dufuy, the food and wine writer who's been writing about Texas wine for Texas Monthly and other publications for many years. There are other wine women in this group, too. Some are names you'll recognize, like Dandy Rosé's Ray Wilson, and others you may not know yet, but you should, like Shana Jacobs of Austin, who holds a Master's of Science in Wine Management from the Burgundy School of Wine and Spirits in Dijon, France. Her thesis is on wine education in Texas. She does private wine events in Austin, and her business is called Keep Wine Dope. Ray and Shana have been paired up next week, and Shana will be taking over Ray's Instagram account. Master Sommelier June Rodel of Houston and Austin Sommelier and Wonder Women of Wine founder Rania Zayat will participate as well. Rania is paired with Sheremy, and June is paired with Stephanie Franklin of Franklin Vines. Finally, Elizabeth Hill of Berkeley Hill Winery in Lubbock is paired with Katrina Renee of the Corkscrew Concierge. That, my friends, is a lot of amazing wine women working toward a more just future. Organizers say that for too long, black women's voices have gone unheard, even though they've been using their voices loudly for centuries to enact change. Today, more than ever, they say, it is necessary that we create a unifying action to center black women's lives, stories, and calls to action. We need to listen to black women. Follow all 40 women participating by following at sharethemicnowtx on Instagram. And that is the Texas Wine News.
for today's education segment, we are going out to the Texas High Plains to talk about the 2020 harvest. Of course, the High Plains is where about 80% of the Texas grapes are grown. And if you're following some of the Texas wineries on social media, you've probably seen that harvest has just started for some of the growers on the High Plains. We can't talk about the 2020 harvest without talking about the unexpected early freeze that happened in late October in 2019. Many of the vines had just been harvested not too much before that and really hadn't recovered from the harvesting process. I went down a really deep rabbit hole reading about what the grapevines go through in the period right after harvest. It's a very important phase for nutrient uptake, apparently, and that sets the quality of the next season's fruitfulness. The grapevines are storing carbohydrates that will guarantee a good fruit set the following year. Or that's my unscientific take on it. Anyway, the freeze caused a lot of damage to some of the largest vineyards in the Texas High Plains, the ones that usually provide a lot of grapes that go into our great Texas wines. Certain varieties were really hard hit, and some of the older vines seem to fare worse than the younger vines. The older vines take longer to shut down after they're harvested. So while what's being harvested this year should be of great quality, there's just less of it than usual. I had the opportunity to talk to Chris Brundrett, the co-founder of William Chris Vineyards, last week. I had heard that Morvedra was really hard hit during this freeze event last October. And since William Chris grows so much Morvedra, I wanted to get his take on the harvest, and that grape in particular. Morvedra is known for budding and ripening very late. That means it was most likely some of the last fruit brought in before the freeze hit. I asked him about the Morvedra crop in the Texas High Plains and whether or not he's still as keen on it. Here's what he said, and I've edited it just very slightly for clarity. He said, We're still going to pick a little bit of Morvedra. To put it in perspective, we usually do about 180 tons of Morvedra, and this year we will do about 45 to 50 tons. It's why we grow Morvedra at a couple of different locations. We have nine different single-vineyard Morvedras. A lot of that is in the High Plains, and definitely Morvedra got devastated. It's probably one of the top five hardest-hit varieties. I'm definitely still up on it. The numbers do not lie. The numbers are that 10 vintages in a row, we've had one of the most successful varieties in the High Plains. It's pretty hard to argue with those numbers, not to mention the wines we've produced over the past decade with Morvedra. France would love to have 10 good vintages, so I'm definitely not down on Morvedra. So we're retraining. We definitely took a hit. There's no doubt about it. So it's probably going to happen again, but we're working on different strategies to harden it off a little quicker to make it less susceptible. We also had a pretty big heat wave, which is definitely an issue. And you know we're having a lot of dicamba damage right now in the high plains as well. So there's a lot of herbicide drift, and we don't know the long-term effects of that. We're going to be making a lot of cab this year, but you know, it's also opened up some new opportunities. It should also be mentioned that we brought in such a beautiful harvest in 17, 18, and 19. We've been around for a while, and we've had really healthy production for the past three years. We've got some good vintages stacked up that we can release and use. So as a consumer, you're not going to really see the dip. We've been preparing for a down vintage for years. 2020 is going to be incredibly quality-driven. I also heard from Akil Reddy of the Reddy Family Vineyards in the High Plains. 
He said, the 2020 vintage is experiencing a significant loss of production, and in some cases, weather was so severe we had total loss on some vines. In general, red varieties were harder hit than white. Tenat, Tariga Nacional, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Cabernet Franc were some of the varietals that we experienced much bud loss in. Therefore, production tonnage has gone down 50 to 100 percent in certain varietals. We are also having to replant certain vines and cut back for complete retraining on certain vines. Ready Vineyards is usually contracted out of all of its grapes, but this year we have a big shortage for reds and a long wait list of wineries wanting to purchase fruit from us. Farming is always very risky, and this vintage is showing its colors. The Texas Fine Wine Group pulled together a report from the wineries under its umbrella. I'll share a few highlights, and the full report is available on the Texas Wine Lover website. I'll link to it in the show notes. From winemaker Dave Riley of Dukeman Family Winery. He said, 2020 will go down in history for many reasons. A bumper crop will not be one of them. Due to the freeze event last October on the Texas High Plains, we are not expecting to harvest any white wine grapes this year except Roussan. We expect very low yields from the red varieties, with the exception of Sangiovese. Fingers crossed for 2021. And from Petronalis co-founder David Culkin, this is the craziest year I have ever seen with the 2020 harvest being a low-yield year, but the fruit quality should be good. With COVID-19 closing wineries and stalling sales, it's probably a good thing that the 2020 vintage is smaller than usual because many wineries are cash-strapped to purchase fruit. That's the end of the reports I've collected on the 2020 harvest. I'm so relieved that Texas wineries still have plenty of wine available from Healthy Harvest the past couple of years. If you're like me and have been drinking through your wine on hand pretty quickly lately, maybe you want to stock up on more just to be on the safe side. I mentioned on the last episode that coronavirus has forced the cancellation of the 34th annual Grape Fest, the largest wine festival in the Southwest. It was scheduled to take place along the historic Main Street in Grapevine, September 17th through 20th. 45 Texas wineries would have been on hand for this festival that attracts more than 260,000 visitors. You can just imagine the economic impact that this cancellation has had on the businesses that usually participate. Although I just live about 20 miles away from Grapevine, I go wine tasting in the Texas Hill Country more frequently than I go to Grapevine. I suspect I'm not the only one. I thought the cancellation of Grapefest was a good reason to take a fresh look at the Texas wine culture in Grapevine. After all, Grapevine's Convention and Visitors Bureau says Grapevine has been a hub for wineries and wine culture for 25 years. I found some bright spots that I'm excited to share with you and I've got a feeling Grapevine might be a place to watch in the years to come. Although its population is only 54,000 residents, Grapevine lives like a bigger city. Grapevine's proximity to DFW Airport, 21 hotels, and 11,000 hotel rooms makes Grapevine a popular spot for conventions. Tourism is huge here. There are plenty of activities for families, like Nash Farm, Sea Life Grapevine, and the Great Wolf Lodge. And there's a lot of development on the horizon for Grapevine. This summer, a huge public-private partnership will be completed downtown. It includes a commuter rail line that will connect to DFW Airport and downtown Fort Worth. On September 3rd, the Hotel Venn will open its doors. That's a 120-bed boutique hotel that's part of the Marriott family. 
It brings with it new dining options, including a signature fine dining restaurant and a food hall with seven kitchens and two bars. So big things are happening in Grapevine, but where does the Texas wine fit in? Do they even grow grapes in Grapevine? Surely with a name like Grapevine, there's wine to be had? Well, there sure is. The town, in fact, got its name from the wild Mustang grapes that grew rampant in the area. Now, the main vineyard of note is the 10-acre vineyard owned by Delaney Vineyards. It was planted in 1993 to Cynthia grapes, otherwise known as Norton, the hybrid variety that's the cornerstone of the Missouri wine industry. I visited last week, and I'll tell you more about that shortly. Did you know that Grapevine is the home of the Texas Wine and Grape Growers Association? Executive Director Dakota Hazelwood tells me that the City of Grapevine and the Convention and Visitors Bureau have always been really supportive of the Texas wine industry and TWIGA, the Texas Wine and Grape Growers Association. There are several times throughout the year where, when they fundraise for TWIGA, and they also support the Texas wine industry with non-monetary resources. And I bet you didn't know that Grapefest is the largest purchaser and reseller of Texas wine. So there are some synergies that occur because the Twiga office is in the same market as at that event. Grapevine is also the location of the Lone Star International Wine Competition. And if there are winery folks listening, remember the Lone Star International Wine Competition was supposed to be in May and it got postponed because of coronavirus. So it's been pushed back to October and it's not too late to submit your wines. So go to the Twiga website and you can submit wines in several different categories. All the shipping information is there. Today, I'm going to give you a couple best bets for visiting Grapevine. So attending a festival may be what has brought you to Grapevine before, but there are also tasting rooms open year-round, other than during the pandemic. There are restaurants with Texas wines on the list. There's a wine shop with a solid Texas wine selection. And I'll touch on your best bets in each of these categories And I'll comment on where Grapevine gets it right and how Grapevine can improve to convert even more Texas wine lovers. Grapevine really is all about festivals. Grapefest is the largest, but it's just one of many. In fact, there's another one coming up in October that's still on the calendar, so keep your fingers crossed. It's the 28th annual New Vintage Wine and Gallery Trail and Blessing of the Vines. It was supposed to be in April, and it's been pushed back. The blessing of the vines, I think, usually would happen at bud break, not after the harvest, but I suppose anything goes in this crazy world. So this is a 21 and up event, and you get a $45 ticket, and at each of the eight grapevine tasting rooms, you get three tastes of wine and one food item. You also can visit the seven art galleries that are part of downtown grapevine. But to kick the whole thing off... You go to Delaney Vineyards at 10 a.m. for the Blessing of the Vines. This is a centuries-old tradition performed by Christian priests all over the world, but some scholars say that the ceremony is actually older than that. There are some ancient Roman texts that show that a celebration centered around wine happened every April, during which people asked the Roman gods for good weather and a bountiful growing season. 
And dating back to Old Testament time, every year growers would bring a sample of their harvest to a church or temple and ask for the priest's blessing for productive fields and soils. They'd ask for good weather with a lot of rain and a bountiful harvest. And that's not just for wine, but it could be any crop, apples, corn, honey, grapes, etc. When Spanish missionaries came to Texas in the late 1600s, they continued this tradition They asked for blessings on their vines and asked that the wines could be used for their ceremonies, and this has been carried on ever since. So this ceremony will be performed by a Christian priest, but there's no religious affiliation required to attend. And the cool thing is the first 150 attendees get to take home a one-year-old grapevine courtesy of Womack Nursery to plant at home. Follow the Grapevine Texas USA social media for updates on that event. Speaking of festivals, when I mentioned that Grape Fest was canceled because of coronavirus, I wonder what your first reaction was. I find that people have a strong reaction, either a strong positive reaction or a strong negative reaction. For some, Grape Fest is a wonderful celebration of Texas wine, a chance to spend a fun day drinking Texas wines in a street party type atmosphere. Everyone's friendly. There are arts and crafts booths and bands and activities for the kids. It's almost like a mini version of the state fair, but mostly focused on wine. On the other hand, and I'd be willing to bet that it's at least half of my listeners turn up their nose a little bit when I mention Grape Fest. They say it's hot, it's crowded, the pores are tiny, the lines are long, and actually the wines aren't that good anyway. I find that this sentiment is more common among the wine people I know, and I'm using quotes around wine people. I understand the sentiments of both groups a little bit, because while I think it's certainly wonderful to share Texas wine with 260,000 folks, there are perhaps better ways to experience Texas wine than at a festival with 260,000 other people when you're drinking wine out of small plastic cups with a bunch of other sweaty bodies. And for someone tasting Texas wine for the first time, I wish everyone could have a private sit-down tasting with a Texas winemaker. I know that's not possible. But the next best thing is probably to visit a winery tasting room. I've already told you that there are eight tasting rooms in Grapevine, and they make up the Grapevine Urban Wine Trail. All of the wineries in Grapevine, except for Delaney, are along the historic Main Street or very close to it. Delaney is about five miles south of Main Street. Seven of Grapevine's wineries serve Texas wine, and a couple, although they're listed as wineries, are more focused on events than wine. The first winery to open up in Grapevine was in 1995, and it was La Buena Vida Vineyards. Delaney Vineyards was next, and they opened in 1996. Once you're able to visit tasting rooms again, you'll be happy to know that my top two recommendations in Grapevine are both on Main Street. While you're downtown, be sure to check out the bronze Grapevine sculptures outside the Convention and Visitors Bureau. This public art display shows the life cycle of a grapevine and was purchased with donations secured by the Grapevine Wine Pouring Society. My first tasting room recommendation is Bingham Family Vineyards. Bingham is first and foremost a farming family. They're a multi-generational family that's all about 100% Texas-grown and produced estate wines from the Texas High Plains. They've got a tasting room in Fredericksburg and one in Meadow, in addition to the one in Grapevine. 
You won't find their wines in wide distribution. They just make enough to keep their own wine club satisfied and for their tasting rooms. You can also order online. The Binghams own or manage around 250 acres of grapes in the Texas High Plains, and they've been growing grapes since 2003. They also grow grapes for over 20 other Texas wineries. In addition to grapes, the Binghams grow around 2,000 acres of other organic crops, including cotton and peanuts. The fact that they're in a state winery is pretty unique among Texas wineries. They decided to start making some of their own wines in 2014 and opened the Grapevine Tasting Room in 2015. Production is somewhere around 5,000 cases. If you're listening from the Grapevine area and live within 10 miles of the Tasting Room, they'll deliver your order and waive the $10 fee if you spend over $50. Betty Bingham keeps an active blog with recipes, wine pairings, and updates from the farm. I found an entry from Betty from back in May that gives the Bingham family's impressions on the 2020 harvest. Betty writes, It doesn't look good for the 2020 grape crop at Bingham Family Vineyards. We're estimating 170 tons rather than our original expectation of 900 tons. She has photos of several different varieties and how they fared in her vineyard. She writes, They show that we are concerned not only this year's crops, but also for the vines themselves. On the whole, it appears that the older of the vines, the less fruit. The younger vines, except for some of those just planted last year, are actually faring better. Next, just down the street, you'll find Messinahoff Grapevine. This is one of Messinahoff's three locations. The others are in Bryan College Station and Fredericksburg. The fourth location is under development in the greater Houston area. Messinahoff was the fourth winery established in Texas in 1977 by the Bonarigio family. It's a large Texas winery with about 84,000 cases produced. And let me tell you, it took every bit of math I know to convert that figure from gallons produced into cases produced. Phew! You'll find the wines in wide distribution. They've got over 70 wines in distribution, and they are in 40 different states. They work with about 20 growers statewide to produce their Texas wines. Messina Hoff opened that grapevine location in 2014 in the old Wallace Hotel. That was a hotel built in 1891, so it's a historic building. At Messinahoff Grapevine, you'll find multiple tasting areas and many styles of wine. In fact, they make wine from over 25 grape varieties. There's something for everyone at Messinahoff Grapevine, including wine on tap, wine in cans, wines by the glass, all kinds of different shopping. We've got premium flights of wines only available at that location. They also host events if you're looking for something different for a special event. There's an opportunity for private seated tastings that include food. Messinahoff also offers local delivery for free for orders over $50 within 15 miles of the Grapevine Tasting Room. There are a couple other tasting rooms in Grapevine that, as I said, are more focused on either food or events. So you can check out the full listing on the Grapevine website and see what fits your schedule. The next winery I'd like to talk about is Umbra. This space does sell some Texas wine and, in fact, grows grapes at the sister property in Springtown. The Grapevine Tasting Room has made some changes lately to better meet the demands of the current pandemic business environment. They're doing a lot of food items right now, gift baskets, wine glasses, and prepared foods to go. But if you stop in, be sure to check out the wine called Estrella de Vida, named for the late Dr. Bobby Smith, the previous owner of La Buena Vida Vineyards. The owners of Umbra bought La Buena Vida from Dr. Smith. 
He was their mentor until his death earlier this year. The wine is a Texas orange muscat, and it has a photo of Dr. Bobby on the label. There's some lovely romance copy, as they say, on the back label, and it pays tribute to their mentor and friend and invites us to join in celebrating his life with this commemorative bottle. Hey, I'm interrupting this podcast with an addendum. Less than 24 hours after I recorded this, I got notice that Umbra Winery, you remember the one with the Main Street tasting room where you could get the wine honoring Dr. Bobby Smith? Well, they're consolidating their operations to their vineyard in Springtown. In a statement, they expressed their frustration with their inability to offer tastings in their tasting room over these past several months. Owner John Wilson said, It's been a wild and amazing adventure since day one, and we will all cherish the people and memories we've made there. These past seven years have been a blur of festivals, trails, private events, parades, 40 days of Christmas, live music, fun wine-based cocktail creations, champagne tastings, food pairing events, painting and floral classes, art showings, New Year's Eve celebrations, and much, much more. We've had some wonderful staff members and awesome customers. Vineyard owner Debbie Ray Wilson said, Change is hard, but we are so excited to now focus all our efforts on our beautiful Springtown venue and continue to grow it. There is so much possibility here on our 50 acres, and we already have some new initiatives in mind. To all their friends, followers, and loyal customers, the couple says, This isn't goodbye, but rather see you soon at the vineyard. So I'm afraid that makes seven grapevine tasting rooms now, not the eight I mentioned earlier in this episode. Cross Timbers Winery is about half a mile off of Main Street. It has a really nice outdoor patio space, and you'll find live music there. A two-story barn can also be rented for parties. They only make a few hundred cases of wine, just enough to use for events at the barn and to pour in the tasting room and at various events that happen throughout the year in Grapevine. They don't ship wine or operate a wine club. Kim McPherson makes their wine. Grapevine has a sister city, and it's Paras de la Fuente, Mexico. That's the site of the oldest winery in the Americas, Casa Madero. I also talked about them last episode, ironically, when I was talking about filling your first case of Texas wine box. And I was saying that Casa Madero is starting to be imported into the U.S., And often those wines are displayed in the grocery store, the wine shop next to the Texas wines. And so don't pick up one by mistake. Anyway, if you want to taste those wines, you can taste them at Cross Timbers Winery. The late founder of Cross Timbers was a friend with the folks at Casa Madero. And so you can taste four Casa Madero wines at Cross Timbers. If you plan to go, sit outside on a nice day where there's live music. I have not tasted the wines but the outdoor space definitely looks fun. It looks like under normal circumstances, they have live music on Saturday afternoons. Jerry Delaney owns the 10-acre vineyard and winery, Delaney Vineyards in Grapevine. And he also owns a 115-acre vineyard in La Mesa, which is in the Texas High Plains AVA. Delaney makes about nine wines, and eight are from the High Plains. One is from Grapevine, and it's made from Norton Grapes. The winery in Grapevine is an 8,000-square-foot French chateau-inspired building that was completed in 96. The first bottling was done the summer of 97. The vineyard of Norton Grapes was planted in 93. Delaney calls the wines from those Norton Grapes Cynthiana, which is a synonym for Norton, according to the UC Davis Grape Registry. Norton's a hybrid variety, 
and the cornerstone of the Missouri wine industry. Grapevine is outside of any of Texas's eight AVAs, so this wine is just labeled Texas. The Texoma AVA starts well north of Grapevine. So I visited on Saturday, and the vineyard that sits close to the front of the tasting room was reasonably well manicured and green, and the grape clusters were small but well-formed and had good color. But when I drove to the back of the vineyard, it wasn't fully planted, so it's not a fully planted 10 acres. And the vines in the back didn't seem like they had been well-tended at all. It didn't look like it was being actively managed. Right now, Delaney is offering tours once a week on Saturdays from 12 to 6. So you get a very brief glance at the vineyard and then a tasting at a bar that's on one end of the barrel room. The production room is not included. This isn't necessarily a tour for people who are super into wine. I was in and out of there in 23 minutes, and that included tasting five wines. The tour left many of my questions unanswered, and they were fairly basic questions. It was interesting to taste a wine that was made in Grapevine, Texas, though. Let's change our focus now to Grapevine Restaurants. When you're ready for a meal, perhaps you want to try a nearby restaurant where you can sample some other Texas wines. My first recommendation is the Sloan and Williams Winery. It is a winery, but it also has a large tapas menu. Stop in there for lunch and try the Texas tasting flight. They've got five Texas wines that they bottle under their own Sloan and Williams label from grapes grown on the Texas High Plains. That's right there on Main Street. Or if you're craving seafood, Big Fish Seafood Grill and Bar has several Texas wines on the menu, both by the glass and by the bottle. Also, the couple that owns Main Street Bakery in Chez Fabian and their newer Piaf Kitchen and Wine Bar, they've done a great job at putting Texas wines on those wine lists. Piaf has the most Texas wines of any restaurant in Grapevine, according to my research, If you know of others that have more, please let me know. They've got four Texas wines by the glass and six by the bottle. They're from the Texas wine producers that you'd expect to see, Messina Hoff, McPherson, and Dukeman. As far as fine dining goes, I had high hopes for Winewood's 22-page wine list. But alas, only one Texas wine is on the list. That's Louis Wine Chenin Blanc from Leahy Vineyards. That's on their printed menu. I found a 2011 D Magazine review of Winewood Grill in which Nancy Nichols implored them to buy local, and she called the wine list uninspired. I called to inquire, and I was offered two other Texas wine options, a Fall Creek Red and a Llano Estacado Tempranillo. But I wondered how many people think to ask. A dedicated section on the menu would keep Texas options top of mind. Grapevine has a couple of high-end steakhouses, but the two that I called don't offer any Texas wines on the menu. Perry's? Nope. Bob's? Nope. They said they don't currently have any, but they do hope to have some when they're in a position to start buying again. The new Hotel Venn will also bring a new, higher-end dining option to Grapevine. It's called Bacchus Kitchen and Bar. Of course, Bacchus is the Roman god of wine. The big question is, will they have Texas wine on their list? The website talks more about handcrafted cocktails and craft beer, but I'm hopeful. I hope they'll take a page from the Pyramid Restaurant Playbook and have not just a nice selection of Texas wines, but also maybe they'll donate a little bit of time on their wine list to wine education. I'm sure they'll get a bunch of business travelers in there who probably don't even know that Texas grows grapes, but maybe if they knew, they would be interested in trying the wines. I also want to mention an independent wine shop on Main Street. 
that has been around for 27 years, and they've featured Texas wines with in-store tastings. The owner, Holly Donnelly, has definitely seen a lot of changes in the Texas wine industry in her long tenure on Main Street. She currently features wines from Lost Jaw, Ready Vineyards, Coleman Cellars, and several other top Texas producers. You can pick up something from there and then head to one of Grapevine's BYOB spots. The one that I've visited and loved is Cafe Italia. Holly also suggests Amores or Mason and Dixie. A lot of the things to do in Grapevine center around wine, and one is the Grapevine Vintage Railroad. The railroad runs several special events each year that are for adults only and focus on wine. There are jazz wine trains, Halloween wine trains, and more. And the Grapevine Tasting Rooms supply the wines. Members of the Grapevine Wine Pouring Society pour the wines, and the society meets regularly for wine education and fellowship. They're wine ambassadors for the town of Grapevine and, frankly, for all of Texas wine. They're some of the friendliest folks you'll meet, and I enjoyed being a guest at their meeting in 2017 when I wrote an article about the Wine Pouring Society for Texas Wine Lover. I'll put a link in the show notes. Passengers on these wine trains travel on 1920s-era Victorian train coaches along the historic Cotton Belt route. I haven't been on one of these wine train rides myself, so I don't have a personal recommendation, but it looks like fun. Another option in Grapevine is a guided winery tour. Contact Grapevine Wine Tours for an outing that includes either lunch or dinner. If you want to make sure you get nothing but Texas wine, schedule a private tour for your party. The regularly scheduled tours may include stops at some of the wineries I've mentioned, but the private tours can go exactly where you want to go, and they may include Bingham and Off the Vine, which are not on the public tours. The eight wineries on the Urban Winery Trail are part of many holiday events throughout the year. Tickets always go fast. Grapevine is also known as the Christmas capital of Texas, so that's a fun time to go wine tasting, shopping, and dining around the historic Main Street. I should mention that some of the wraparound events planned for Grape Fest are still happening. The Tennis Classic and the Texas Wine Tribute, a black tie event that recognizes leaders in Texas wine, are still on the calendar. Check the website for more information. So yes, there is good Texas wine and grapevine. You just need to know where to look to find it. The Texas wine culture isn't as prevalent in grapevine as it could be considering the number of visitors that come to Grapevine, both from in-state, from other states, and from around the world, showcasing Texas wine should be a top priority here. I would love to see more wineries on Main Street, and I wish they all sold Texas wine. I wish every Grapevine restaurant had a section of its wine list dedicated to Texas wine, and I wish there was more variety in the wines that you saw on wine lists. Grapevine has the perfect infrastructure for creating more Texas wine lovers, and the city has already done so much for the industry. A huge thank you to those Texas wineries, restaurants, wine shops, Twiga, and other businesses that support Texas wine and Grapevine. I support you, and I encourage all my listeners to get to Grapevine to check out the new developments, dine in the new restaurants, and buy some Texas wine. I told you a little bit about Bingham Family Vineyards, and today I chose a Bingham wine to drink in this segment. This is actually my first Bingham wine, I believe. I stopped by the Bingham Tasting Room when I was in Grapevine on Saturday, and although the tasting room is closed for tastings, I picked up a few bottles, and this is one of them. It is the 2018 Cloudburst. 
It's a blend of Trebbiano, Albarino, Vermentino, and Roussan. It retails for $19. Like all Bingham wines, it is an estate wine from the Texas High Plains. The label says that the name Cloudburst refers to the way that the rain comes in the High Plains. It doesn't come often, but when it does, it comes quickly in a refreshing way. According to the tasting room, this wine is a crowd pleaser. It won gold at the 2020 San Antonio Stock Show and Rodeo, and a previous vintage won the first place prize at the Grape Fest People's Choice Wine Competition. The son, one of the sons, Daniel, is the winemaker. The wine has 13.7% alcohol. I don't think it's seen any oak. I don't have the full winemaking details on it, but I'm not getting any oak on it. It's a fairly full-bodied wine, but I think that's from the alcohol. Um, I'm getting yellow apple, lemon, green pineapple. It's got a, a long finish, and it's a lovely wine. It, they say that it pairs well with cheese and fish. It is described as being smooth, and although it doesn't have bracing acidity, it does have enough acidity to be uh, easy to pair with food. So I think it hits all the right notes. I can see why it's a crowd pleaser. And I am pleased to have been introduced to Bingham Wines with this 2018 Cloudburst. I want to say thank you to Jeff Cope and Texas Wine Lover website for helping spread the word about this podcast. Remember to visit txwinelover.com whenever you have a question about a Texas winery or a Texas vineyard. You can get information on Texas wineries, plus the website is full of travel reports, winemaker interviews, and other interesting blog posts. Thanks, Texas Wine Lover. Please go to my website for full show notes for this episode. That website is www.thisistexaswine.com. You can get links to everything I talk about. And while you're there, please subscribe to our occasional email newsletter. As a thank you, I'll send you my document that includes the top 10 Texas wine experiences that I've had during my shelter in place. And also subscribe to this podcast. That way you won't miss an episode. The website also tells you how to connect with me on social media. I'm at Texas Wine Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this episode of This is Texas Wine. Cheers, y'all.